everyone. Um, my name is Monique. It is, hi. <laughs> um, it's lovely to be here. And, and hey, if I haven't met you before, I'd love to get to know you. Um, it is, I'm part of the team here at Activate, um, and, and I really enjoy what I do. I get to oversee Kids Church, and I also um, uh, run our young adults, who are pretty epic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a bonfire last night, and I kid you not, it was massive. It was the biggest bonfire I've ever seen, like taller than the roof of this building. I'm not kidding, am I? No, nah, it was it was that big. It was insane, and I was just like, wow, if, if, um, if the wind blows in a different direction, then my clothes are not going to survive. It was so intense. Um, it was really, really cool, and I loved it. And, um, uh, and I also get to um, have my wonderful husband here, who's... Carrying all the podiums around the place, he's so strong. <laughs> he actually just shoulder presses just so he can lift this thing. I've seen it, just the one arm though. <laughs> um, it's really fun. Um, one of the things that Sam has learned about me um, uh, early on in our relationship was that I'm very terrified of bugs. It is, is there anybody else here in the room? Am I the only one? Thank you, thank you very much. Yes, no, no. Things with more than two legs, uh uh-uh. No, no, you can go home right now. If there is a spider in the house, oh, oh. (laughs) things with more than than two legs that are bugs, yeah. (laughs) I don't know, it's just something about their little legs, ugh, disgusting. If there's a spider in the house, then um, uh, I I say to Sam that he needs to to kill it, and and I can't stand the look of it. In fact, my, my policy is if there's a spider in the house, then we burn it. Not the spider, the entire house. Um, we'll start from scratch. It's fine. It's fine. Um, uh, and and I've had I've had some traumatic incidents with bugs in my past. Um, there was one time when I was a kid, and and I was playing out in the backyard, um, and I had my first ever bee sting. Do you remember your first ever bee sting? It's really awful, isn't it? I was just running, minding my own business, young, naive, innocent to the ways of the world. And then I felt this awful pain shoot up my foot. And I looked down at the bottom of my foot. And not only is there a stinger in it, but the the bee itself is still attached to the stinger. And so it's flopping around (laughs) on my foot. And I scream and and I run back inside and the bee's just flopping on my foot (laughs) the whole way inside. And and my mouth is wide open. And what flies in? Another bee. (laughs) Oh, it was so awful. Me and bees have absolute beef. It's, it's traumatic. I'm still scarred to this day. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I have, I have those fears that started as a kid. Um, and now I've also, as I've grown up, I've developed adult fears, mature fears, like, uh, oh, the state of the economy, stuff like that, you know? <laughs> Um, no, but no, but seriously, um, I know that all of us have not just fears of, of bugs and stuff, but there's there's worries and anxieties that we um, some, sometimes tend to pick up um, as as life goes on, and, and there might be fears that you hold um, right now as you've walked into this room. Has anyone seen the news recently? I mean, even the state of this world, there's wars going.
going on. Israel's just been attacked. There's um, like rumors of a cold war with Russia and America and, um, and wild things like massive earthquakes over the world. Cost of living crisis has gone up for goodness sake. I mean, McDonald's ice creams, they used to be 40 cents back in my day. <laughs> No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, it's probably like five cents in Tim's. Um, <laughs> oh, all right, all right, calming down. <laughs> Shots fired across the room. Um, no, but, but with all of these fears and worries, do you know what? I, I felt Lord drop this um, prophetically into my spirit that there is a stronghold in this world and it isn't just those dark, shadowy, conspiracy theory figures controlling everything. Um, it's fear. I believe that there is a demonic stronghold of fear in our society right now. I had a mum of a youth tell me this, that her daughter came up to her and said, Mum, Mum, everyone in my class is messed up. Everyone has got anxiety. Everybody's stressed. No one can cope. Everybody, if that's a state of our youth, of our young people, there's a stat out there that says that the average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as a psych patient in the 1950s. That's insane. And, and the rates of anxiety and depression are through the roof in New Zealand. We have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And, okay, side note here. I think part of it is that we weren't designed for this kind of lifestyle. With all the negative news and, and the connectedness of this world, we're just bombarded with negative news and media and information because that's kind of what sells. And yes, it happens in this world, but our minds weren't psychologically designed to cope with that level of information and that level of negative information about people that we don't even know, let alone people in our own communities. And then for this generation as well, who you are is determined by how you feel, apparently. Your reputation is constantly being updated by social media. And offense, offense is now a conversation starter. No wonder everyone is stressed. But I was talking to our, um, our team before this gathering and I said, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have been called to more than just what this world has to offer We've been called to do more than just be blown by the waves of this world, by the waves of anxiety and fear, by the waves of the news. We've been called to stand firm. We've been called, in fact, not just to stand firm. We talk about still standing. We've been called to battle on behalf. We've been called to battle on behalf of our families, on behalf of our communities, to intercede for those around us. We've been called to stand firm, to fight against the spirit of fear. Why? Because God has made us warriors. God has called you a soldier in his army. God has called you to fight, to stand firm, to not be swayed by the world, but to sway the world, to not be influenced by the world, but to be an influence for the world. And I'm convinced that God wants to set people free from the power of fear tonight. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be again burdened by the yoke of slavery. Jesus came not just to set us free, 
but to also bring freedom to the communities around us, to the people around us as well. He has set us free to be free indeed. He set us free to bring his freedom into the world. He set us free to bring other people into his freedom. It's not just about us and it's not just about those immediately in our, um, in our circle. It's about the world. For the God so loved the world. We as a church are a light upon a hill, a city that cannot be hidden. So then how do we, as followers of Christ... How do we battle the spirit of fear? This is a very iconic story in the Bible. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If you guys have got your Bibles with you or on your phones or something, do you want to turn to it? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is a very iconic story. Um, and if you haven't heard it, then you'll understand soon why it's such an iconic story. Jesus has been preaching to the crowds. And the crowds have been so full, so, so massive that he actually got onto a boat, a boat at the side of a lake in order to be able to preach to all of them. And then we catch on to the end of that. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall, a massive storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Do any of you guys have mates who can just sleep through anything? Because <laughs> that's low-key what Jesus was doing. I just, this picture in my head is, is Jesus just sleeping there gently. And it says the boat was swamped. So the boat was full of water. So his robe is just drifting. And his hair is just drifting. And, and the disciples are freaking out. And they said to him, the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Bear in mind that a bunch of these guys were professional fishermen. Not all, so I can understand why some of them would freak out. But they're professional fishermen. It's not the first time that they've encountered a storm. So if they're freaked out by this storm, if they're not coming, the other guys around them going, you know, like, yo, chill, Matthew. I know that numbers are scary, but this is fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, there's, this storm must have been way bigger than anything that they've encountered. All they knew was what past experience told them, and past experience said, you're going to drown. Past experience was predicting a very painful and short future. And so, like I said before, that there was, there was that very traumatic incident with the bee. A few years later, my dad loves this story. A few years later, dad was calling me in um, uh, from playing in the backyard again. And, and so I'm running and he's um, with his, you know, because you, you run. When, when your immigrant parent tells you in his gruff South African accent, come, we're going to eat. <laughs> you run. <laughs> and then dad says, dad says, freeze. And you know, you know when your friend says freeze and it's that tone that tells you there's a bug on you or there's a spider on you? It was that tone. He says, freeze, freeze, freeze. There's a bee. And I, trusting my father, dad loves this story. I'm in the middle of running and I freeze, literally like this. One arm up, the other arm up, one leg just about ready to go. And I freeze and I hear this bee 
buzzing around me and I froze and, um, and, and look, don't mock me for this. I was trusting my father, um, but, but I was terrified and I was frozen in place because my past experience with those couple of bees told me that my future was going to be very painful very shortly if I didn't freeze. Um, it, when I had that reaction, it was because past experience told me there was pain to come. And when we find ourselves stuck, trapped in anxiety with worries and thoughts going on around our heads, it's often because past experience has told us there's pain to come. Our past informs our future. And I don't know what kind of fears and worries you've been carrying. They're probably very valid fears. Um, and you've had, and they're, they're often based on past experience, and it can be not just physical pain, but emotional or, or spiritual um, or mental pain that you, you carry. And, um, but what I want to say is that when God comes into the mix, when God comes into the mix, his promises override our past experiences. His promises override our past experiences. God's promises for the future supersede, they override our experiences of the past. And so when the Lord speaks to you and says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When God says he will never leave you, best believe he comes through. When his word, trust his word, this is my first point, we fight fear with the word. When his word says that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We trust it because his promises override our past experiences. Read his word, let it soak in so that when the world tells you the status quo, when the world tells you that there is fear and pain and problems to come, then you can hold this up. When even your past experiences tell you that there is no hope, then you have the evidence right here that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. That the Lord is good and he has promises in store for you. He has abundance in store for you. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but the Lord is good. It doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. The Lord is good. It doesn't matter what your past has told you. The Lord is good. Amen. So the disciples said, teacher, don't you care? Have you ever felt... Like you're so, you're so overwhelmed, you're drowning in your anxieties and your worries and in these problems that it feels like God isn't even in the mix. Like is God even awake? Is he just sleeping on a cushion with his robe and his hair drifting in the water? Is, does God even care? Does God even see what I'm going through? And, and our first response often when we feel like God isn't taking immediate action or isn't, isn't awake and isn't responding to what our prayers are is that we depend on ourselves when the going gets tough. And we can find ourselves going to things like we can, we can use coping mechanisms to help us work through these things, things that make us feel comfortable, things that soothe us from the, from the negative feelings that distract or numb us from the fear and the anxiety. And I, I think that's part of the reason why I believe that there is such a stronghold of fear is because there's so much coping mechanisms available for us. And there's so much coping taking place. Um, we've got Netflix and, and food and your phones. Even your phones can be used 
When you find yourself in a, in a situation, like you go into a room, this is something that I struggle with all the time. If I go into a room and I'm all alone and there's a bunch of people that I don't know, what do I do? I take out my phone. I take out my phone and I scroll through like the weather app or something just so that, so that it's, and it's a shield, right? It's a shield to stop us from, from feeling that pain or that anxiety or that, that worry about how do other people think of me. But comfort, I love what um, this pastor in Australia says. He says, comfort insulates us from revival. Comfort provides a barrier that stops us from hearing what the Lord is doing in that moment. That stops us from feeling where the Spirit is leading. And when we depend on ourselves in these tools instead of the living God, then we depend on ourselves. And when have we ever really been the best rock to stand on? So here's a challenge when you're, when you're going on your phone or when you find yourself alone with your thoughts and all of these things start to come in. This is my second point is pray. Because when you go to God, the disciples, they were like, teacher, don't you care? But they still went to God. They still went to Jesus and said, Lord, and they leant into him and, and they probably were like, he doesn't have any, like, he probably doesn't know really what to do, but we go to our authority figure. We go to our leader. We go to the one that we know loves us. And so when you're praying and you're, say, you're in that room, then you keep your eyes up and you see what God has in store for you. Why has God brought you into that room? Why has God brought you into that situation? When you choose to lean into God, when you choose to lean into prayer, then your eyes are open and you are seeing where God is moving in that moment. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I like that, that second part of it, actually, with prayer and petition, and then with thanksgiving. Prayer, praise, sorry, praise. That's my third point. Praise is such a powerful weapon against fear. Do you know how strong that makes you look if you laugh in the face of fear? When you laugh in the face of the enemy, when he's coming to attack you, when he's coming to attack your health or your children or your finances, and you just go, oh, I praise God. I thank God I choose to put my eyes on the blessings and the blessing giver rather than on fear. Because when we change our perspective, when we change our focus off fear and onto God, suddenly fear starts to look a little bit small and our worries start to fade away because God is sent to focus. And I believe that gratitude and anxiety can't coexist. When we choose to put our eyes on what God is doing, on the goodness that he has given us in our lives, then you feel that peace because you know your Lord provides. And there's no room to entertain the fears and the, uh, the whispers of fear and worry that the enemy tries to send your way. When your mouth is full of praise, there's no room for your mouth to be full of fear. So Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. See, fear tells you if you, if you let go, then everything will collapse. But God says, if you let go, then I will hold you up. So let's continue on with this story because it's not finished just yet. Mark chapter four, verse 39 The the wind is going and the storm is going on and Jesus got up. 
rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay, firstly, why are you so afraid? Asks Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard not to trust what you don't see. So I'm not looking at the disciples going, oh, why were they so afraid? I don't think I would have been any better in that situation as much as I, I try and believe that God is coming through. Sometimes it's really, it's so much easier to depend on what you see in the natural rather than trusting what God says is happening in the, super, in the supernatural. To illustrate this, um, my master's degree was in psychology and my thesis was on um, the effects of stress and fear on memory. So obviously when you're running an experiment like that, you're trying to put people in stressful situations so you can measure what you want to measure. Um, ethics is a bit of a problem, you know. Uh, <laughs> like you can't actually um, put people... 80 stories up in the air and then try and make them walk a plank because that's unethical. It's boring, it's what I say. <laughs> um, so instead what we did is we used VR, we used virtual reality to create that situation. So people put on these headsets and the headsets were like a video game. It would show you, when you moved around, it would move with you and it would show you the scenario. And what they'd see is that they would go up an elevator and the elevator doors would open and they'd see a plank in front of them and a 80-story drop to the ground in front of them. And, and what we would do is, and then we tell them to walk. We tell them to walk that plank. We even had a real plank um, out there in front for them to walk on as well. So when they're walking in the VR thing, they're also walking on a proper plank, but it's on the ground. So what happens, right, when, when these people do these things, even though we got them, we, they'd seen the whole setup when they came into the room, we explained them everything that was going on, we even got them to walk the plank in real life, as soon as the headset went on and those elevator doors opened and they saw that plank, their heart rates shot up. Their palms started sweating. I had several people who refused to even get out of the elevator and put a foot on the plank. There was one chick that was one foot on the plank, one foot out, and she just did this for a solid like five minutes. <laughs> and then she was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. But they're on flat ground. See, even though they knew in the real world they were safe, everything in their bodies was screaming danger. Fear makes you believe what you see. And even though God has said a million times, do not be afraid, I've got you. Sometimes we still believe what we see with our eyes and not what we know to be true. What I like to tell the kids in kids' church is this fun analogy about faith and fear. See, faith and fear are like two sides of the same coin. Both are believing that something will happen that hasn't happened yet. Faith is believing that pain is going to happen. Oh, wait, no. Fear is believing that pain is going to happen. Faith is believing that God is going to happen. Both require the same amount of effort. So why not choose faith? 
See, when we see with our eyes in the natural world, God sees in the spiritual. And when we see that 80-foot drop, God sees flat ground. When we think, I am going to die, God says, you are going to live. And not only are you going to live, I have a full and abundant life in store for you. When we see that drop, God sees flat ground. And so when that happens, faith tells me that even though I can't see where you're leading, God, I fix my eyes on you. Even when I can't see what's going on and I can't see beyond the storm and the waves in front of me, I trust where you are leading God. I choose your vision and not mine, your ways and not mine, your will and not mine, because I know you love me. And I know that you work all things together for good. I know you have a plan for me and a purpose for me. We choose faith. We choose faith. Amen? I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. And so it goes on the rest of the story. We're finishing up. Um, it's the, the disciples said, oh, the, the Bible says the disciples were terrified. Why were they terrified? The storm had stopped. They'd seen God create, uh, Jesus create a miracle. Why were they terrified? Fun little history lesson here. Um, Ancient creation myths from the lands around Israel had very similar themes. It was essentially, there was chaos in the beginning of the world, usually watery chaos, kind of like that storm that they were going through. And then the gods would wrestle with it and bring it unto submission um, over the space of like a hundred to thousands of years, depending on which region you're looking at. But the God of Israel was different. In Genesis 1 even, it says to us that God didn't wrestle or struggle to bring the chaos into control. Genesis says that God spoke and there was order. And it was not lost on the disciples that Jesus spoke and there was order. Jesus spoke and there was calm. The disciples had seen Jesus heal the sick, perform miracles, cast out demons. But this was a different level of authority because only God can control the weather. Only God speaks in creation, listens. And here Jesus spoke And even creation obeyed. And the disciples were terrified because they were starting to realize they were in the presence of the living God. Of the God who creates. Of the God who brings order. Of the God who brings peace. Of the God who became flesh and was walking amongst them. Of the God who died and was risen again to life. Of the God who took on our sins in that process and gave us hope for eternity. They started to see that God, when we speak the name of Jesus, as that song just said before, we are speaking the authority of God over our lives, over our situations. And we speak not only the name of the one who calmed the seas of Galilee, but we speak the name of the one who parted the Red Sea thousands of years earlier. The one who created the world to begin with, the one who brought the flood and then receded the waters. The one who came to set us free so that we could have life and life in abundance and life to the full. The one who came for you and for me. We speak that name. And now look, I understand why fear can be such a battle in our lives. 
I had, um, I, I still, even now, sometimes when I come up on here, my hands shake because I'm so nervous talking to you guys. And you're all wonderful. I love you guys. But I, um, I get nervous and I, I have that um, remnants of when I was in high school, social anxiety that still overwhelms me at times. And I also had this um, moment where I was really struggling um, with my health too. I, like I said, I've, I feel like I've battled fear for most of my life. I had this um, health condition, um, this diagnosis, and, and we weren't sure if it was cancer or not. There was a, a growth that was happening um, and, and had eaten away at some of the bone. Most of you guys know the story, but um, I, I was so gripped with fear because and the uncertainty. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if, if it was serious or not. It, w- it was serious, but I didn't know how serious. And all of these fears started to come up into my mind. And I remember going into my car at the end of that um, appointment and sitting in my car and just resting my hands on the steering wheel and going, God, where are you? And I heard the voice of God. I don't think I've ever heard God that audibly in my life. And I heard him say, I'm right here with you. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. That God, that God is the one who walks with us. Like I said, I feel like there's a stronghold of fear and it's in the way that we think and it's in the way that our society has been um, talking about fear as well. Everyone celebrates being stressed and it's just woven its way into people's minds. It's in our city, it's in our nation and in the nations of our world and the stronghold is an oppression, not of race, not of identity or religion, but an oppression of fear that enslaves our people, that enslaves our country, and our people are crying out for deliverance. Can't you hear it? Our people are crying out for God to save them. And as Christians, what does fear do to us often? It makes you insular. It makes you think into an introspective. It makes you go into your inner world and think only of yourself. You go into survival mode, right? But as Christians, I think sometimes we've become too focused on our inner worlds, on trying to survive instead of reaching out. And look, there's seasons. Some of you might be going through a season where you just need to be loved and cared for. But sometimes God is calling you out of that inner world and that survival mode to look out because God is in the business of setting people free. And we are called to be a part of that solution, to carry courage, to preach boldly the gospel, to drive out fear with God's love. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out what? Fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Maybe you haven't been carrying too much of this fear, but you've been seeing the people around you struggling with it. You are part of the solution. We are part of the solution. We are part of carrying God's peace and his deliverance into our city. And there might be a stronghold, but it is no match for the power of God. Perfect love that drives out fear. He will deliver us so that we, his people, will be known for our trust in him. For our peace that surpasses all understanding. 
for our joy in the midst of struggle. This peace that will extend into our homes, into our schools, into our communities. A wave of peace and hope that is birthed into our country, that floods our government and our leaders, that floods our church, that floods every path that we walk and claim as territory of God's. The God of Moses, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who calmed the storms, the God who came to set the captives free. That God is our deliverer. That God has the victory. That God reigns in this place. That God, his heaven has come down to earth. His kingdom will come and his will will be done in your life and in the lives of those around you. No longer will we be slaves to fear. For perfect lives drives out fear. Our God goes before us and behind us. Our God says, his word says we are seated in heavenly places. And I think it's time to start acting like that. Time to start speaking out his truth, God's authority over your worlds. We speak the name of Jesus into every situation, every doubt, every worry, every problem that you struggle with, every place that you are placed. We carry his hope, hope that never fails. So how about you guys all stand to your feet right now as we start to speak the name of Jesus. And if I could please get our band to come up here as well. What I want us to do right now in this moment... We speak the name of Jesus. You carry his Holy Spirit inside of you. We have the authority to speak his name into our situations and into our worlds. And if you're thinking of a person, if you're thinking of a place, if you're thinking of your own struggles and own worries at this moment, how about you start to lift that up to God? How about we start to pray for our people? How about we start to pray for our schools? Lord, may you come, may your peace come upon us right now. Lord, we lift you up. How about we all just start to pray out loud to God. Lord, may your kingdom come into this world. Lord, we speak against any strongholds of anxiety and depression. Let's pray against the, the, the evils that mental health struggles have been causing in our young people today. The spirit of depression that is telling kids that they should kill themselves. We pray against that. We speak the name of Jesus against that. That is a demonic spirit that is not of God. We speak peace. We speak love. We speak Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus over Israel right now in that situation going on. We speak the name of Jesus that he will cover and protect every citizen no matter on what side. The women and children, the innocents that are being hurt and killed in this fight. Lord, we speak your name, your will over that. We pray for our government with these elections that are going on and, and the worries that some people might be experiencing right now with this change of government. Lord, we speak your name over our government and over our leaders. May you guide them. That it be your will that comes out. That 